Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. It's the most wonderful time of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Rebel Preview Show, sponsored by Betway. An impressive point for Rafa's men, and John Joe scored a beauty. It's Friday, 17th of December. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Andy Brassel. Welcome to your fabulous Friday, everybody. We've had Premier League action last night, and hopefully we'll have some Premier League action this weekend. Uh, But Jim, what about that? Liverpool 3, Newcastle United 1. The big takeaway, of course, is that John Joe Shelby can still hit them. Yeah, he really can, can't he? He did his bit. When that went in, I was thinking, we got another 4-3 on our hands here. Um, <laughs> from a it wasn't to be, up. was it? It wasn't to be. John Joe did his bit, but um, mm. then he did his bit at the other end as well. Um, yeah, it was it was a great start, wasn't it? You, the whole time you're thinking, surely they can't hold on here. But if they could have done it, like what a marquee that would have been for Eddie Howe. But no, Liverpool just too good, aren't they? You feel like I know it kind of happened in in a sense here, but you do get the sense that particularly Anfield, mm. Liverpool could start a lot of games one nil down, and it would just be absolutely fine. Yeah, it did feel like that, Andy. What I, what I liked about uh, Big John scoring that goal is the fact that Mike Dean, in the replays from behind the um, uh, Shelby, you can see Mike Dean just kind of cross in, in, in his path just before he hits it into the corner. Yeah, it was uh, an incredible feat of athleticism, uh, which I think from is Mike probably Dean. quite... Quite suitable. Yeah, I don't think we need to point that out. I mean, that would be quite an unusual add-on to a John Joe Shelby goal, wouldn't it? Um, but as, as Jim was saying, um, the, the assist that he later added to it, I mean, mm. obviously it would have been lovely for Newcastle to get something out of it. But I did think, well, oh, I feel a bit more relaxed. You know, it feels as if the world is back on its axis now yeah when, when, when john just done something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah it indeed. feels a little bit like there's been a ruckus in the school playground and some kid has just like smacked the hardest kid in school mm. and that kid's not even flinched 
It's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> oh, this was this was worse than not landing a blow at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw for Trent Alexander Arnold's goal as well. Mike Dean really added to the aesthetic because the yeah. way he sort of like gets himself out of the way of that, he's, he's very much included himself in the sort of in in the physical beauty yeah. of that of, of that particular thing. But it's like again, performative they, dance, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I very, very much so. Performative the, refereeing as well. As ever. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody new to the podcast will think, why are we talking about John Joe Shelby's goal before Trent Alexander-Arnold's goal? Welcome <laughs> to the football ramble. Um, but, but, and if we take the moments of the game, uh, you, you sort of single them out rather than looking at the whole picture. Newcastle might be a touch disappointed because they get themselves in front, of course, 1-0. Um Jota's goal, I mean, it was a great save initially from Dubravka, a little bit um, uh, fortunate for, for, for Jota that it fell back to him. But then you have Salah's goal, which is, a, you know, was was, a, was was an avoidable one. You have the, the incident with uh, which could have been a penalty when Trent Alexander-Arnold was uh, a judge to have made a very, very good tackle indeed. Mm. And, then, and it was, I thought. Yeah. I, I actually agree, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we've seen them given. Um, and then, of course... There's not much you can do about about the third goal, but perhaps the third goal doesn't go in if if you know they they were drawing at that point. So do you think Eddie Howe's perhaps a touch disappointed maybe that they didn't manage to get a point from this game? Maybe, but the way I would look at it is I don't know anyone connected with Newcastle United fans, media, anyone who held out much hope for before this game. I I, I think a lot of people looked at it and thought. Well, you know, if from this horror run against Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, we can eke out a point or two from somewhere, that would be amazing. But I think that's the point. It would be amazing. I think but before really, the game, really, you can that, say that, Andy. Before the game, you say that. But when, when you know Hayden's head injury before the equaliser, all these kind of little bits and pieces, it wasn't actually as smooth a victory you could argue for Liverpool. Although in no, the context, but, but Liverpool, Liverpool were comfortably the better team. And and on on another day that maybe would have been a four nil. I, I think the thing to take from this, from a Newcastle perspective, and the important thing about this mini run, don't get belted three times. I, I think that's really important in terms of um, guarding morale, in terms of guarding spirits up, because they, they, they don't get a point, but they can definitely, as you say, take something from it, from taking the lead, from just about hanging on from sticking together from the fact until that Trent Alexander-Arnold goal, they could have snatched a point. Okay, it wouldn't have been entirely deserved, but I think that they managed to do that is a sign of progress that maybe wouldn't have happened a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, let alone a couple of months mm. ago. So I think that's, that's something really worth clinging on to. And to, to dispel a few of those little things, like, Firstly, I I didn't think it was a penalty. I thought it was a perfect track tackle by Trent Alexander-Arnold, just as Clive Goodyear's was on John Aldridge in the 1988 FA Cup final for <laughs> for, for the younger listeners. Um, also, also um, in in the build up to Jota's equaliser, I, I don't I don't think the referee should have stopped it. I don't think it was even conclusive that it was. A bang on the head. I mean, the, the the talk on the commentary from Darren Fletcher and Steve McManaman was that it happened really quickly. And I, I see that perspective. But I think in terms of the referee making a decision, it, it wasn't really clear what had happened. So I think he did the right thing to to let it run. Yeah, yeah I completely enough. agree with, with both those points, actually. I think it's an interesting narrative that we're seeing popping up quite a lot that uh, when a really good tackle is made and it, and it takes a little while for the for it to be assessed that it was a really good tackle, that 
it's the, this, this this whole idea that you've touched on, Mark, as far you've seen them given and sort of oh, on another another day it could could have been a penalty. It's like, well, but it couldn't. Should we be like, well, it's ghost penalising really good tackles, like just because sometimes referees get it wrong. Yeah, We're yeah, essentially yeah. pining for the days where where officials got stuff wrong, and I think that's weird. Uh, I think maybe we're still readjusting to the fact that VAR has been a lot better lately, which no one seems to really have spoken about. Mm. Um, would the footballing kind of not of that, as much? Would the footballing equivalent of that be if, if someone scores an open goal to kind of go, oh, it was, it was it was a it was a great goal, and you think, well, he should be scoring, yeah, but I've seen them missed. Ex- well, quite <laughs> exactly, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So as if as if that doesn't count somehow. Yeah, I, I would I would disagree that. It, that it wasn't really plain sailing for Liverpool. I don't think they ever really looked in any danger. Um, and it, Newcastle's approach was very interesting to me. I was surprised they didn't play Callum Wilson as well as San Maximan. There was a point where, in in the second half, San Maximan went on a run that looked looked like it was about to do some damage. And it was like he did, just didn't trust any of his teammates. So he tried to take the whole thing on himself, tried to essentially mm. you know, weave his way through through every Liverpool defender in the box. And obviously it petered out to nothing. And, and that, that's that's pretty telling as to as to where they are in an attacking sense in these games. So they are going to, realistically, against Man, Man United and Man City, they're going to have very, very few chances. They're going to have to be clinical. And they, they were not yesterday. I mean, obviously Shelby's goal was a, was a different example. But I, I'm very surprised that... When essentially Sir Maximan and, and Callum Wilson are your two two main goal threats, that he didn't start them both. Give the ball to John. That's the new tactic there. Yeah, quite. Um, mm-hmm. Mo Salah uh, scored, obviously, and that meant he equaled Jamie Vardy's record of 15 consecutive Premier League games with a goal or assist. I hate it. Enemy of football for me. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you I mean, Jamie Vardy's my favourite player, so that's probably why, but still, just. I what, what, have, what have you done to prepare for that game, Mo Salah? You've probably exercised and ate, <laughs> ate well and like been a real professional. Jamie Vardy's had a Red Bull and an omelette. You're taking this away from us. Yeah, Mo Salah's never played um, non-league in this country, I believe. But no. um, but there's still time. But I, I don't like it, Andy, when they put goal and assist records together. And and the worst, worst example of this is when they gave, was it Thomas Muller, the golden boot at the World Cup in 2010? Because he had more assists than the others who were on three goals or who's quite well, a low-scoring it's, one. It's, it's left the door open Awful business. For, for absolute wrongans like me who want to include the pre-assist as something oh, in, in, in football. In 10 years' time, we sat here talking about 15 consecutive games with a goal, an assist, or a pre-assist. Or the pre-pre-pre-assist. Well, I think, yeah, what I don't like, though, is... Because most of those games he's probably scored in, it's fair to say. Yeah. Whereas if you had a player who had fourteen assists and one goal, but don't don't you think this is this is where we are post Ronaldo and and, and Messi? And I've I talked about it in something I was writing this week. In that we we can't find the words to express brilliance anymore, so we just invent statistics. Yes, like like kind of bogus statistics as. As, yeah. as, as as well, I, I mean, I, I was I was writing something actually about Robert Robert Lewandowski, and um, it was we're going through all the records from the, the last little while, and one of them was like he scored in the most consecutive home games that anyone's ever done in the Bundesliga, and it's like I, I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know what you mean. I think 
Jim, are we facing a backlash with statistics? Because I don't mind statistics. I think they're fine, but it just, you know what it's like? No, but real statistics, not fake ones. Yeah, exactly. People, <laughs> yeah. Ju- people just go to... Not stretched ones. People go over the top. You think goal-scoring uh, statistics are obviously uh, important. We've had them for, for decades. And yeah. assists, yeah, okay, fine. Just just don't don't confuse I, the I two. I think like some, it's almost like people are taking... When when they're sort of inventing a new football statistic, they're doing it more from a maths perspective than a sporting one. Yeah, it's like, oh, look what I've extrapolated from the data. Not look at what this person has achieved. Yeah, very true. But very... But, but it doesn't it doesn't tell us anything in terms of advanced analytics. It's just like a, a sub trivial well, pursuit question. Well, well isn't as it? I say, I, I guess that that's on a stat by stat basis, is it not? The, the home <laughs> games thing is like you know true. As I say though, if someone has fourteen assists and then two goals. In that run yeah. of Premier League games, they're not. That, that would be ridiculous if they took the record. Off Bloody them. XG gone mad, isn't it? Is. It? But talking of <laughs> talking of wasn't goals, like this in our day, was it? No, it wasn't, Jim. Talking of goals, Newcastle United have conceded more goals than any other Premier League team. Mm. So that is that is the uh, it's statistic. Damning. It is, yeah, and they're not scoring as much um, as they would like to be, but it has improved slightly under how. Now, how about this though? Newcastle scouts were apparently at Luton one, Fulham one, at the weekend. I can't help but think that they're trying to get Alexander Mitrovic back at the club. Yeah, it does seem like the obvious choice, doesn't it? Because I think they are going to... This is going to be a difficult market for everybody in January, obviously because of the, the COVID is still happening. Um, the loan market is going to be um, essentially depressed because of that, because you know teams aren't, aren't going to want to lose bodies, essentially, because of, the, of everything that's going on now. So it's doubly difficult for Newcastle because they're in a situation where rivals aren't going to want to sell to them. So they're probably going to have to look abroad, look, look down into the championship. Mitro's been there before. It might be that they're exhausting the contact books. But I like if I was a Newcastle fan, let's say I was Pete Donaldson, as dangerous as it is to, <laughs> to play that role play, like you, you're the richest club in the world. You think, all right, we've got a really, really kick on now. Mm. Um, we've got an opportunity to do something in January. It's going to be difficult, but we've got to make sure we get the best out of it. Where are the scouts? Luton. You're, you're at you're at Luton. <laughs> Can we Why maybe not? do a bit have better a, than Luton? Could we bloody respect because no, we were there as well. I've been to Luton. No, I'm, I'm not. Doing, you're, you're focusing on the home team. It's all about the away team and that fixture. Uh, oh, yeah, I but I, I oh, think, now I who's think disrespecting Marcus, Luton? <laughs> I think Marcus Jim has got a point because, as anyone who's been to Kenilworth Road will know, the sight lines are very poor. So, how can you make conclusions on players from watching from the stands there? I would well, suggest. I, I, the mind boggles Andy quite uh, quite ri- ridiculously. Um, Jim, you mentioned you, you wanted another four three. Um, uh, or you thought we, we, there was another 4-3 on the cards. Of course, you're referencing uh, back to those great games, the two great games at Anfield, uh, many moons ago now. And uh, and if you like, you know, things that uh, happened in the past and so on, then you can join um, uh, an evening with Kevin Keegan at Huddersfield's John Smith Stadium in March next year because the great man himself will be there t- t- uh, telling of tales from the past. It's £65 per person. With a, with a two-course meal. And I do feel that that we do a lot of Keegan's advertising for him on this podcast. Yes. And I think it's only fair, considering what he's given us. Um, but of course, uh, Keegan, uh, you know, this is not... The, he's not trying to sell meat or anything like that. He Disappointing. Is just, well, it's all, it's all, award people for selling meat. Award people for selling that meat. That's what yeah, he was yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to uh, ex-Newcastle midfielder Rule Fox, he said that uh, Kevin Keegan, uh, who signed him in 1994, he's a brilliant salesman. He's like Del Boy. So maybe he is selling meat somewhere, Jim. I don't know. Yeah, he out, could, out of a van. 
he could sell anything. He said, um, uh, Raw Fox said, I, uh, that's how convincing he was. I went straight from Norwich, Carrow Road, to Stansted Airport, got on the plane without my clothes, nothing. He went, come on, you're all right. We can buy you some clothes. You're fine. He got me straight up there, got me straight up to Newcastle, locked me in a hotel just in case there was another club interested in me, locked me in there, and I think I agreed to sign the next morning. Now, it's, the way players used to sign for clubs is astonishing, isn't it? it, it the very really little is. negotiation. So he basically gets a naked raw fox, shoves him in a hotel room <laughs> on a plane, and, uh, and says, you're mine. Um, but imagine, apparently he's a brilliant salesman. I don't remember Del Boy doing anything like that. No, with imagine those, getting uh, kidnapped dolls. by Kevin Keegan. That's essentially what has happened here. Yeah. Have we, so have much we got can go the, wrong. Have we got to the bottom of why Rule Fox and Les Ferdinand got locked in the toilets that time at St. James's Park when they were playing for Spurs? I don't think I we mean, should, Andy. Ma- maybe Rule Fox just felt safer in there. Yeah, but, yeah. well, that's a point. That is a point. Well, Liverpool play Spurs on Sunday. If it goes ahead, of course, we uh, we wait and see on that. Um, so an interesting one. Um, Conte and, and Spurs, they've taken 10 from 12 points. Uh, so they will be looking to build on that. But of course, Liverpool are Liverpool. Um, and they are looking to try and catch Manchester City at the top of the Premier League. Uh, what about Chelsea in third place? They drop points at home to Everton. Uh, a much uh, understrength Everton. Um, a young Everton side, uh, of course, that Rafa Benitez picked Andy, but they got out of there with a point. Yeah, they did do, and um, th- there's something not quite right with Chelsea at, at, at the moment. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 pretty clear. Um, it looked once Mason Mount got that goal that they would just get one of those wins that people can go afterwards. Oh well, those are the sort of games you need to win one nil if, if if you're going to be champions. But I'm a little bit concerned about them at the moment, and. I just, there's a few things they need to fall for them. Firstly, they need to get a midfield back. That's that's the, the, the main thing. I think the Lukaku question is is an issue, though, because clearly they've been taking it easy with him since he's, he's come back from injury. But when he has come back, and maybe, you know, we just don't know enough about this injury and there is a, a little bit more to it, and that's why they're taking it easy for him. He doesn't feel like he's quite as lean and fit as he was at Inter. Yeah. Uh, now, whether that's, you know, a question about moving away from the club and moving away from their sort of routine, and we know how he, he, he transformed himself, like physically and, and, and mentally at Inter. I, I just, he, start, he started the season pretty well in, in a pretty promising vein, but this seems to have slowed him up big time. And because there are such fine margins, I think, with the title race at the moment, Lukaku getting back to his absolute best could be what wins the title for them. It's a bold statement, Jim, Um, but they are going to have to uh, make sure they stop giving away leads. And that's what is doing Tommy Took's head in at the moment. He said this for a few weeks now because it's been happening for a few weeks now. You you know, you could argue, I mean, they were fortunate. I say fortunate that, you know, the nature of, uh, you know, getting an injury time winner against anybody, for some reason, is classified as fortunate often, but they, they just got past Leeds United uh, with that late, late goal. Yeah. And then at home to Everton, who weren't showing that much, and understandably so, they're playing against the European champions and they um, are a bit under strength, as we say. Chelsea eventually get the breakthrough, and then four minutes later, uh, Everton equalise. And that must be so frustrating for old yeah. TT. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's because it seems to be... It's this thing we talk about quite a lot in football where it seems to be happening to them rather than it yes. being mm. this particular 
flaw that they have. It seems like they're just not getting the rub of the green almost at the moment. And um, mm-hmm. it's got to be frustrating because it's clearly not that. There's a pattern emerging. They look a bit, maybe they perhaps they are a bit tired or they're, they're sort of, I don't know if they maybe believe their own hype a little bit because they were they were so dominant against a lot of teams earlier in the season. Um, but they, they do seem to be dropping silly points. Um, perhaps it's just the game's coming thick and fast. They've they've had, you know, absences to contend with. Um, but it's it's hard to it's hard to find an explanation for it, really. But I mean, I, I suppose missing Lukaku is a huge thing. A huge, huge. But yeah, thing. but like, but as Andy said, that he's not not quite looked it uh, up to scratch since um, you know he's been out of the side and whatnot. No, but, but that's we, what I mean. Like lo- losing him from from the first time they lost him, and him now having to spend that time getting back up to speed is is something that you know. Liverpool and City haven't really had to contend with in the same way, but I'm, yeah. I'm looking for answers, Marcus, and I'm not sure I have any. Yeah, well, and and clearly Tuchel is the same. I mean, Andy, would you um, like to whisper anything in Tuchel's ear? Uh, well, Football from related safe, from a safe distance, maybe. Well, <laughs> fine. Use your big whispering uh, stick that you've got that you can, you know, you can. Yeah, I, I think they'll they'll get there. I, I, I don't I don't have any. Doubt yeah, but Andy, about you say that. they'll get there, but by the time they get there, they might be eight points behind the two league leaders yeah but um you know i, I think th- we've we've talked a lot about how good the top three are N- none of them are flawless and all of them are capable of losing games that we don't expect I, I i think i mean even with liverpool we saw a little bit of vulnerability yesterday as as i was saying they they, they thoroughly deserve to win that game it could have been a four nil on a, on another uh, on another occasion but Talking about how unexpected bits of it were, I wasn't expecting Alisson to make saves last night, mm-hmm. and he had to make saves. Mm. So you know, maybe a, a slightly better team than Newcastle United could have could have taken a, a advantage of that. And t- talking of slightly better Newcastle Uniteds, Everton now mm. are in the Rafa spot, aren't they? You know, <laughs> that th- they yeah. are um, with reduced expectations and reduced resources compared to previous years. But but the tails wagging pretty hard now and I, I think now that they know what they're dealing with cl- clearly the fans are, are, are going to remain unhappy with the ownership and um the, the the management of the club higher up for a, a a while yet but i just wonder is this the point where rafa benitez starts to get those fans on side because i, th- I think performances like that and results like that are exactly what's going to do it yeah he's turning the screw jim but what was nice to see was jordan pickford was excellent Yes. Um, Ellis Sims made his debut and Jared Braithwaite making only his second appearance for Everton gets on the yeah, end of that a, cross. A lovely, lovely goal. Just threw yeah. himself at it as well. It like, pro- mm. like almost karate kicked it into the net. That was beautiful. <laughs> and the celebrations were fantastic. What I loved about that is I reckon if they were 2-0 down and he just scored that, the, ce- it would, the celebrations from him would have been exactly the same. But they went, absol- <laughs> they went absolutely mad and so they should have done because... It did look like it was going to be one of those days because Chelsea took so long to equalize uh, to, to score. Sorry, to go one nil up, and then when Everton equalised, I think there was a collective feeling of, we, "We, I think we're going to be all right. We we can shut them out. We know we've got it back to yeah to level pegging." Parity. And um, and and yeah, and instead of holding out for seventy minutes as as we did there, we only need to hold out for twenty minutes or whatever it would be. You know, so a great point for for, for Rafa Benitez, who is perhaps. Uh, changing opinions with uh, those toffees, Andy. We uh, we shall have to wait and see what the next few weeks uh, bring, of course. All right, everybody, uh, let's have a quick break, and after which we'll talk about the Nations League.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. We're Not Fucking Historians is the show all about Irish history, where Shane Todd and Hazel Hayes bring you a few facts and plenty of crack. This month saw their most important episode yet, the history of Ireland's favourite malty beverage. That's where he's got the brewery, St. James's Gate. He took out a 9,000-year lease. In the year 10,000, that's going to be a sad day for Guinness when they're booted out. <laughs> 10,759 AD. Heineken just come in and go, finally, we've got it. <laughs> On Tuesday, they're reflecting on their own festive traditions and a few things you might not know about the Emerald Isle's Christmas connections. There is apparently mounting evidence that St Nicholas of Myra, who inspired the legend of Santa, is buried in County Kilkenny. It's actually on private land, so they don't allow visitors. Don't, I don't think it's a great one to sell the kids. Can we go to Disneyland? <laughs> no, come on, I'll take you to where Santa's buried. <laughs> So come on in and get involved. Search We're Not Historians. That's We're Not Historians wherever you get your podcasts. We're Not Fucking Historians is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Linvoy Primus and you're listening to the Football Ramble. Welcome back to the Football Ramble preview show sponsored by Betway. It's now time for emails. Show it, football. 
Simon has been in touch and he says, just an idea. As a season ticket holder at the Amex, it is apparent that our atmosphere has become a little flat of late. To stop us descending into a vicious cycle, I thought maybe forget man of the match and have a fan of the match award. One member of each team keeps an eye on the crowd for a fan that is positively encouraging them or really giving the opposition a hard time. Anyone carrying a dear player, please can I have your shirt automatically disqualified. Agree. Uh, this should get us all a bit more involved, improve the atmosphere, etc. The prize would be the bottle of bubbly that all the players both probably don't drink and can easily afford a bath full of if they want to. Just an idea when I should probably be listening to the Zoom meeting I'm currently in. <laughs> Great work there, Simon. So I think this is, a, is, a, is an interesting idea. I don't think you can have a player that's actually playing in the game though because then surely they are going to like cost your team points by paying more attention to the crowd mm. also potentially rewarding a fan giving the opposition a hard time i don't know if, don't know if we like that um but i think maybe you have like you have like a hype man on the bench who like goes around geeing up the crowd and whoever okay in the crowd then responds to that best maybe gets that award so you essentially but... need to sign pepe reina yeah someone like that <laughs> or, or like David May. from Dave or like <laughs> Flavor Flav, like proper like hype men. I, I think that's a bit of a promotion for David May slash Pepe Reina that they're yeah. promoted to Gator. That, 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 that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's pretty good. Yeah, but I'm thinking but, Spain Pepe Reina because he is their hype man, isn't he? No, t- to- totally. It's, it's, absolutely the, it's absolutely the same thing. But I think Simon's looked at this very much from the perspective that he's, he's written the mail. Because where he said he should probably be listening to the Zoom meeting, probably be listening to the Zoom meeting that he's in. Um, going back to your point, Jim, about that, you know, the players should be paying attention to what they're doing. Inevitably, players drift, like anyone yeah. in a work situation. That they're, they're probably thinking, well, this is, this is a bit of a weird stadium, isn't it? Or uh, oh, I wonder, wonder, wonder what the stewards are doing at the moment. Or yeah. oh, I really fancy a hot dog slash Magnum. Yeah, yeah. I, I think ben, like um, Ben White. Oh god, I fucking hate football. Yeah, I wonder what's on telly tonight. I think what I'm um, missing. I think the people of Portsmouth would get a little bit annoyed because that bloke with the cowbell would win it every time. I don't think he's winning it. Surely not. <laughs> no, he's trying too hard. <laughs> well, if he's if he's geeing up the home support and he's being encouraging and he's got his cowbell, why wouldn't yeah. he win it? Is it a cowbell or is it a more traditional form of bell or a no, series of bells? The England band would win it every time, wouldn't they, Jim, for England matches? You know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I'm not, I don't care for it. I think they're all right. I think they're all right. Yeah. Uh, show at footballramble.com for that kind of nonsense. Speaking of England, let's get straight to the UEFA Nations League, everybody. The big story coming out of football at the moment is uh, the draw uh, for the glorious Nations League. England in Group A3 up against Italy, Germany and Hungary. I do feel sorry, a, bit, uh, a little bit sorry for Hungary because they've, they've done very well promoting themselves through the groups and then they get given... Uh, the European champions, uh, Germany and England, who, mind you, they did get a point at Wembley. So Yeah, I think, yeah, I think after quite... after the last few fan experiences, I, I'm not sure I do feel that sorry for, for, for oh, Hungary. Come, no, Andy, this yeah, is we'll a bit... Yeah, you, I, come on. You don't take a section and then judge the whole thing because we don't like it when people do that with no, England. No, no, abs- absolutely. I'm not, I'm not pinning it on all of Hungary and I'm, I'm not pinning it all on Hungary supporters. What I am saying is that um, Hungary and the Hungarian FA have shown a complete disregard and disinterest in dealing with these these problems that have, have, have reoccurred. And the prospect of another two matches of dealing with that all over again is, is not a great one. Well, let's hope that uh, things are put in place um, so let's. that doesn't happen because that's happened to England. England's first game will be behind closed doors after the crowd trouble at the Euros final, which... 
I think we've said all before on this podcast, it's probably quite a lenient uh, uh, yes, one yes. for England. Um, but so Gareth Southgate, talking about the football, though, that um, Gareth Southgate said, they're exciting games. I think the Nations League format throws up these outstanding fixtures. And it's true, isn't it? If you look at the uh, the concentration of quality in the uh, in, in the top groups in the UEFA Nations League, you know, you have Spain and and Portugal in there in the same group. You know, a lot of it feels like what the Euros used to be pre two thousand and sixteen. Now, don't get me wrong, I like the Euros, um, and I think the the expansion of the Euros actually has been quite successful. And certainly, qualifying for the Euros is more exciting uh, and engaging than it has been in previous years. So, I'm not bemoaning that, but there is no doubt about it that the Euros used to be the absolute cream of the crop, you know, when it was 16 teams, I mean, you could argue when it was eight teams, but when it was 16 teams, the, the concentration of quality was quite something, but the nation's league, but I, but I'm not uh, longing for that as I, as I, as I stress, but the, the nation's league, Andy, you know, you look at mm. some of these fixtures again, I would like to commend UEFA for what they've done here, because let's be honest, it is a rare thing for a governing body in football to make such a good decision. Yeah, I, I agree, Marcus. And, um, I think that the Nations League, I worry a bit if it will end up as one of those lost great ideas because I think the the view of it has changed post-pandemic. People look at it and think that it's a pain, it's unnecessary extra football. Who are these people, Andy? Um, I don't know I, any I of them. Think, I think, yeah, uh, I, I think it's, it's replacing unnecessary football and that's why mm-hmm. it is such a, it's a, a good idea. It's loads of games that people care about, players care about. I think we saw that from... From the get-go in the very first Nations League, I think if you go to any of the games, the um, the quality of the games and the intensity in the stadiums is something that matters to players and, and, and fans. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And um, there are a load of great ties in there. I think you look at um, Belgium and the Netherlands being in the same group. You look at Spain and Portugal being in the same group. Of course, I'm looking at the group and they're now in League C, Turkey against Luxembourg, Lithuania, and the Pharaohs. I, I, I think Turkey are good for at least second place in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is that is quite something. Uh, Wales have done well, <clears throat> speaking of teams getting promoted and, uh, and so on, and they've been rewarded with Belgium, Netherlands and Poland. And to be honest with you, I mean, it could have been worse, I think, um, because the, the Netherlands can be got at. Uh, you know, they'll, uh, they'll play the video of the, the Belgium game 2016 before that one. And, mm. uh, and they could do something against Poland. So it'd be interesting to see how Wales get on at the top table. But there are mm. some, 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 some great fixtures in there. But Jim, there are. Do you think with, with England's group, because if, if you look at the groups, you think Group 1 with France, Denmark, Croatia, Austria, France are the, are the standout team there. Yeah. I, I mean, you could argue the best team in the world, even though they, um, well, they are the world champions still, so the argument ended. Um, group two, in Group 2, Spain, Portugal, Switzerland, Czech Republic, I, I would still I would fancy Spain to be the... Um, the favourites there, and in Group Four, you'd fancy Belgium to be. But in Group Three, you've got three sides there: in Italy, Germany, and England, which you could make arguments for winning that group. Yeah, absolutely, which is um, perfect, as Gareth Southgate is as as attested to, isn't it? That the, these are real tests, mm-hmm. um, where I think England are now at a point where, and this might be proven to be fallacy, but they do go in there feeling like equals. Yep. To, with with a team like Italy and a team like Germany, especially in a competition like this, which is is an is is an unusual one, really, um, and mm-hmm. as you've alluded to, is serving its purpose, um, and it is a perfect test in in that World Cup year because these are, these are exactly the sort of tests you want to overcome. Even even Hungary, really, because because of the sort of hostile um, past between the two teams, um, 
is is a is a test of mentality as well. So this this group is absolutely ideal, and it's a funny one, isn't it? Because although you know the Nations League, I, I agree with you completely, has been a been a success because you have to look at what it replaces, which is mm-hmm. essentially pointless friendlies, uh, which would have been there in its place. Um, I feel like if they don't, you know, do that well, it also won't be that damaging because you can still use mm. it as a sort of exercise. So it, yeah. it's a kind of it's a competition that serves a number of purposes, and and I, I quite like it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, Scotland are in with Ukraine, Republic of Ireland, and Armenia, Group B one, which is uh, which is quite a nice little one, and um, Northern Ireland are in with Greece, Kosovo, and Cyprus or Estonia. Uh, so you know, tasty, tasty all round, uh, everybody. So oh my giddy aunt, I'm looking forward to it for crying out loud. We got, we got, we got, we got the UEFA Nations League just around the corner, and of course, Andy, a World Cup year is just around the corner as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, but uh, gentlemen, um, before all that football goodness uh, happens, we are facing the prospect, of course, of um, more matches being cancelled because of uh, of COVID and and so on. And nine matches have now been cancelled over the last week in uh, in in England. Leicester versus Spurs was postponed the other night. Manchester United, Brighton, Southampton, Brentford, Watford Palace, and, and Everton versus Leicester. And uh, Thomas Frank uh, made some interesting points. Brentford manager saying that we should cancel games this weekend so the clubs can clear COVID cases ahead of Boxing Day uh, fixtures as well. What, what did you make of his of his comments? Because there's a lot of opinions flying around here uh, at the moment and you can understand why, but it is such a kind of a delicate situation and a tricky situation to manage as well. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people are on board with what Thomas Frank is, is saying. Um, I think, unfortunately we have to, I know the issue is player led at the moment, but I, I think we have to look at the, the, the safety of fans as well. And we've seen games all over Europe, either reducing crowds or um, closing the doors to cloud, crowds completely. And I, I think that's something that's inevitable over the the, the next little while. Um, in terms of stopping everything for, for, for 10 days, I, I understand. Um, and, I, I, you know, maybe maybe it would do something. Maybe it would do something um, in, in terms of the, the, the players being able to actually... Um, be available but having said that i think this is a recurring problem with um with 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 football scheduling and i've, I've said this for a long time um since the original shutdown going back to march 2020 is that should have been the point where it clicked for football that there is too much if if, if there's a point where you think we can't postpone a game because there's nowhere else to put it that is a sign that the schedule is is broken it's remarkable to me that when we looked at the premier league um schedule for for next christmas mm-hmm. when, when we're coming out the back of the qatar world cup that we're not having a winter break I, I understand that the premier league makes so much of being the the, the league that, that that never sleeps if you like and you, you know that we, we we do this thing of um you know accelerating the mm-hmm. Um, the program rather than paring it down o- o- over Christmas. It, and, and great, I understand that's tradition. I understand that's part of it. Um, having said that, I-, I think from both a quality of the football and the spectators getting their money's worth on television and in person perspective, something has to give. In being kind to the players and letting them go home and see their families, 
something has to give. I just wonder if for the next couple of seasons, parking Christmas football is, isn't isn't the way forward. Now, I know no Premier League club will, will want to hear that because of um, the, the the financials that are involved with that. T- to me, it just seems like the, the, the sensible thing to do. Yeah, I would just... just um echo what Andy's saying really um it does I mean it does seem sort of like an inevitability that that this is going to happen isn't it um although I do wonder about about Thomas Frank's comments um I wonder should should clubs who can field teams suffer because others can't and then get their own fixture congestion later but as you say so much of it is about the fans which doesn't seem to have been being mentioned much so I wonder if reduced capacities will come in um but obviously that's gonna be very controversial um I hope we don't see games played behind closed doors again. I really, really don't want to see that because it's such a, it's just such a sad sight, isn't it? But mm, it is. It it may be what has to happen. You have to put people's health first. You you really, really do. The, the numbers are, are rising in a staggering way again. So you you know, football has a duty of care really to everyone involved. Yeah, I think that's the the thing that I think is that I don't think it's got too partisan at the moment, although. Some people may disagree with that, but I, I I would hope as much as people and clubs can is that that people that they, they don't have their own interests at heart and think, well, hang on a minute, they're playing, you know, a uniformed approach. I think is is what's needed, and that's why I think Frank may have a point. Well, we've we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen accusations from certain quarters, Marcus, that um, there's been like big club bias. I know Leicester felt, for example, in in terms of mm-hmm. their their games not getting called off earlier um that i mean brendan rogers talked about it didn't he the the knock-on from Mm -hmm. you know covid absentees meaning the rest of the squad was stretched and all the rest of it i I do feel that um especially premier league clubs have to suck it up to a a a certain extent i I don't think there is any particular bias in favor of certain clubs i just think that the premier league have not got their ducks in a row quickly enough yeah Uh, I, i and i think given that they had a lot of time to prepare for this. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. a lot of time to, you know, it's it's not as if it's a situation that's never happened before. Right. I think mm. when it when it when it all falls to bits in March 2020, you can understand because it's completely unprecedented. Now it is not unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and that's it. And I think it's it, what 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 appears to have happened, and I have some sympathy with this because it is a tricky one to manage, but you do have to bloody well manage it. It seems mm. as if they're thinking, let's let's just hang on and see what happens. We'll just we'll just we'll just try and fudge it and let's see what happens. And as you say, that happened last time. You can't do that two times in a row, and it, and and it does seem to be what's happening. Of course, we don't want to see games played behind closed doors and bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. But tough decisions have to be made. You know, the, the, these are people's lives we're talking about, and I just you know, Graham Potter said himself, you know. Can football continue on this path that it's that it's currently on, and it, it, it's a very very tricky one. Which, it, which, but again, I stress, I think Thomas Frank did have a point, um, and I don't think it's you know it's the worst idea at all. And then you have the whole thing about vaccines and so on and so forth, which I don't really sort of want to get into. Although I did find Jurgen Klopp's comments amusing when he says people are having a go at my opinion that everyone should have the vaccine. He says, it's not my opinion. I haven't imagined this up. I've just listened to the experts. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he put it really well. He said, ignore those who pretend to know. Ignore yes. lies and misinformation. Listen to the people who know best. If you do that, you end up wanting the vaccine and the booster. Um, go on, Klopp. It's, go on. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because I think people, 
there are different reasons that people don't want to have the vaccine, and it seems it is a problem within football. I wonder mm. if clubs have got club doctors sort of explaining to their yeah. to their players um, why they should have the vaccine. I'm, I'm sure mm. they are doing that. I don't don't know what measures are being taken, but some people essentially um, they don't want the vaccine because they're frightened of any sort of health mm-hmm. implications it might have for them later. And I, you know, that's I believe that to be unfounded. But also, you get people that fall into sort of conspiracy holes. And they reject the idea that they're endangering themselves and others mm. by not having the vaccine. So it's a really, really complicated thing. It's a difficult thing to unpick. So it's, I don't envy any club who are who are having to deal with that. No, and and you, you remember Kevin De Bruyne's comments? Uh, was it a few days ago when he you know scored those great goals and he said, "Yeah, I'm recovering. My body still feels. What did he say? That it still feels a bit." sort of lacking and he said yeah you know I've, I've gotten over covid it took me a little while but he said i can just still feel my body is still recovering mm. so and you see three sprints yeah and you see the performance he put in and you see you know you know the type of player he is and how he's come back from it and he's saying i'm still not a hundred percent out of the woods with this you know it's mm. it is it is quite something all right gentlemen um let us uh move on oh hang on a minute it's time for this One of those games is quite difficult to explain, but you'll get it as soon as you start hearing it. Yeah, baby. We're flipping the script for Christmas. <laughs> Andy's game. Oh. Oh. How did it end up like this? Did I win it enough times that I get to keep the cup? Yeah, is, I think is that's that what, what happened. Is. I think that's what it is. Oh, yeah. I'm Brazil, mate. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> well, I think you know already how this rolls, listeners, but we're just going to have a, a slight recap. Um, basically, I'm going to name some players. The two contestants... Yes, I am from an 80s game show background. Uh, have to bid against each other and then go forward and name how many clubs, that are, how, as many clubs that they can that that player has played for. And um, yeah, we see wins at the end of it. So um, I think what we traditionally do is we, the, the, the lowest seed goes first. I'm just going to let Jim go first because yeah, I like him more. I will be the lowest um, seed. Uh, yes, it's it's not to do with that, Jim. Um, but <laughs> are you are you guys ready? Oh, I, yeah. I, I've I've seen Mr. Campbell already reach for his his, his yeah, pen and paper. Notebook. So he's he's serious. Are you ready, Marcus? Big time. Oh, he's flexing those Literally guns, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he really he really is. No sun necessary. <laughs> okay, Jim. It is uh-huh. up to you to bid first. Yep. Um, this player is still playing. Oh. He has played for four clubs. His name is Wojciech Szczesny. Okay. Oh, blimey. How many are you going for? <sighs> huh. I'm going to go for three. Four clubs. Three clubs. Is that the sweet spot? Marcus C. Speller. What you got? Yeah, I, 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 I don't have four. I'd like Jim to name his three. Okay, go for it, Jim. So, of course, Arsenal, Juventus, and he also had a loan spell at Brentford. Ding a ling ling. Who was the fourth? It's it's one nil to Jim. Uh, Roma. Do you of know course, what? Of course, where, of he, course, where he made his Roma. reputation for. Th- th- you see, if I'd have been doing that, yeah. I would have got Arsenal, Roma and Juventus and I wouldn't have got same, Brentford. Same. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm quite impressed Jim got Brentford there. Um, 
But yeah, when you said three, I was a bit like, ah, oh, he's obviously got Roma. But no, he had Brentford. Bit, yeah. bit too much chat there, Speller. Don't try and present my game, all right? Sorry, brother. Um, <laughs> it, it is your go next, nevertheless. Um, this is also a player who is still playing. Yeah. He's played for five clubs. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favourites, and he's probably one of yours as well. It's David Silva. David Silva. Five clubs he's played for. Come on, I'm going to have to push your spells. Three. Five clubs. Three. What are you saying, Jim? Are you going four? I can also go for three, but I I want to give Marcus a chance to step into a bucket and fall down a flight of stairs. So <laughs> I'm going to let him, let him do it. It is the season of giving. Yeah. Um, Marcus Speller, what you got? Give me your three. Yeah. No, you were wise to do that, Jim. Um, I uh, So I got Valencia. Yes. As I said that, I really doubted it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Manchester City. Ding. Um, and and the third one. Ah! Real Zaragoza. Oh, no. Oh, spells. Is it Real Sociedad? Real Sociedad, correct. Yep, you could have had also them. had loan spells at Celta and Abar. I do you know what I knew. I knew it was. I thought, is it Zaragoza or Sociedad? Oh, I can't believe I chose I, the I wrong t- one. I tell you what, if if you're a little Spanish genius on the ball, you can't beat a little loan spell in the Basque Country at some point. <laughs> but <gasps> oh dear, that Silly means me. Silly it is two nil to Jimmy C. I'm in trouble. Yeah. It's a dangerous scoreline, though. It's a petrifying scoreline. One of which I was petrified of because I wish I was two nil up. Isn't it? Isn't it just <laughs> right? Well, Jim. It is all in your hands now. Mm-hmm. And just to raise the tension a little bit, as a Christmas present, mm. whoever wins this one is going to get my title of champion as a Christmas gift. Oh, my gift. goodness. How about wow. that? How about that? So, Jim, no pressure. This guy, he retired in 2015. Okay. Again, another, another favourite of mine. You've got a bit of scope here. He's played for 14 clubs. Oh, God. Bennett. He is Rivaldo. Bloody hell. <clears throat> 14 clubs. 14 clubs. 14 clubs. What are you offering me? I, I, I am actually fishing for bribes as, as well at this point. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to make a bid. <laughs> Bloody Nora. 14. 14. I'm going to have to press you for a number. I'm going to go for three. Okay. Spellsy, what you got? I'm going to have to go four because I know he's got three. Okay. Jim, any any rays on Marcus's no, four? No, I'm not, not going to go for five. Okay, Mr. Speller, it's over to you to stay in the game. <laughs> With Rivaldo. Okay. Barcelona. AC Milan. Moggy Mirim. Ooh. Nice. And Olympiakos. Correct, Amundo. God, that, 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 that was really good, good Marcus. So I just remember Moggy Mirim because he was, was he not on the board there or something? The other he one, owned them. Yeah. 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 Um, Deportivo was another one, La Coruña, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was. You could yeah. also have had Santa Cruz, Corinthians, Palmeiras, Deportivo La Coruña, who he played for before Barcelona. That's right, yeah. Milan, Cruzeiro, Olympiacos, Ike Athens, Bunyodko, where um, he was coached by Luis Felipe Scolari, of course. Um, Sao Paulo, Cabascorp in Angola, oh. and Sao Catano. So, so, so that, any those, club those in Brazil matches. we could have had. Uh, I, yeah. I, that, so the AK pretty Athens thing, because I couldn't remember. I thought, I'm pretty sure it's Olympiakos. And I th- if you were going to say Panathinaikos, then I was going to be like, oh, damn it all. One of mine was Al Ali, who he'd clearly never played for. So. Uh, yeah. It's always worth oh. it, though. That is very you know much what? in his wheelhouse. You know what? That That is the non-European Sunderland, I, I, I think, <laughs> as far as this <laughs> yeah, game maybe, goes, maybe. Jim. Uh, so it's 2-1. Uh-huh. It's all to play for. Ladies and gents, mm-hmm. here you go, Spells. Mm-hmm. Your opportunity to level it, level it up. This gentleman, another left-footed genius, still playing. Yeah. Play for eight clubs. It's James Rodriguez. James. What can you offer me? Hang on, hang on, hang on. <sighs> oh, I'll tell you what, Luke has a tough job. This mm. is just... All the admin. Six. Six? Woo! Uh, what do you got, Jimbo? I got five. But I'm going to have to... I don't know how confident he is. He looks confident. Gonna... He's <laughs> such a fucking nerd about these things. <laughs> James, I've named. I've said I could name six clubs of Hammers Rodriguez. They are our pitfalls <laughs> everywhere here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Well, I want to see those pitfalls. Name your six. I'll be incredibly impressed if you get that sixth one. But I, I believe in you. Come okay. on, Marcus. Here we go. All right. Everton. Real Madrid. Bayern Munich. Um, FC Porto. Monaco. River Plate. Play that music. Jim Campbell. Wins. Oh, no. Never play for River. Oh, victory for Jim Shit. Campbell. Absolutely Mourinho, G. The new champion of Andy's game. The eight you needed for James Rodriguez were Envigado. Very disappointed that you didn't get that, Marcus. Uh, Banfield, Porto, as you correctly said. Monaco, Real Madrid, Bayern, Everton, and Al Ryan. Banfield. Bastards. I thought it was River Plate. <laughs> Why did I Banfield think is a great him? name. So yeah. there you go. Congratulations, Jim. Uh, would, would you like to say anything from your champion summit? I would just like to apologise to all purists of this game for my <laughs> um, increasingly defensive approach. But it, it's what works for me. So, mate, yeah. you got Brentford for, you for Chesney. So that's did, but exactly he's Arsenal player, though. Arsenal player. I've got an advantage. Yeah. Some, some would say that's worthy of the title on its own. But um, we may not have pleased the purists today, but we're going to please the completists <laughs> by uh, doing the fifth. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, our player number five is a, another player who's still playing. Uh, he's played for twelve clubs. It is Jim Adebayo Akinfenwa. Oh, oh man, twelve clubs. See, this is the frustrating thing. If I'd have got that David Silver one right, it'd be two-two, and we'd be going in, and Jim would have to opening bid on Adif- yeah. Akinfenwa. Good God! But it's not happening. To- and Jim's won. Trying to picture him in various kits, and that only gets you so far, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. It really does. Uh, oh, good God. Oh, God. No, no pressure, but if, if you get Two. one of these clubs wrong, I will be very, very disappointed in you. Yeah. Okay, well, there's a, there's a clue. Um, 
All right, well, I'll go. That, I think that's just, you've just given us one there. So I'm going to add, I'm going to go for three. Okay. R- right, Marcus. Well, I mean, no, no pressure, but you have worked with this gentleman. I have. You have had a hug with him in less socially distanced times. Yes. I had a hug with him on the same occasion. That's very true. Though, um, that I, I didn't get crushed by like a peanut, fortunately. Am I giving too much away here? <laughs> uh, I'll go for four then. It's bold. It's, Why uh, not? I've already lost you. This is, this is what the fans love about you. <laughs> All right then. Uh, AFC Wimbledon. Wickham Wanderers. Swansea City? Yes. Plymouth Argyle. Oh, it's 4-1 to Jim Campbell. Oh, oh, that's, that's a shame. That's a shame. Oh, thought... he's, he's, he's done you on the counter-attack there. Yeah. Who's the who's team in You've the West Country played for? I have. Did you who's expect team... to get crushed in the game today? Because you've been, yes. you have been. Haven't you? <laughs> I think it's it's just worth worth acknowledging that you've been absolutely crushed here. <laughs> I've been ruined by Jim. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I know who you're talking about in terms of uh, Southwest. When I go through all of these, um, yeah. p- we'll both put our hands up when we know that we've got to the one. Uh, he started at uh, FK Atlantis, then Barry Town, Boston uh-huh. United, Leighton Orient. Um, Doncaster Rovers because he didn't play any games for Russian and Diamonds. Torquay United was that? Uh, who you were of? Yeah, well, I remember he played for a side down there because when I think we first started the ramble, I think he was he was down there. What year was he down there? Um, two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Oh. He then went to Swansea City, where he became the first player ever to score at the Liberty Stadium. Hmm. Oh. Um, Millwall, Northampton Town, of course. Ah, oh, Northampton, yeah. Uh, went back to Northampton and Gillingham. Those, yeah. Clearly, those don't count. Uh, AFC Wimbledon and Wickham Wanderers. Yeah. He currently still is. Scored a brilliant goal against Wimbledon just the last weekend. Even if I'd have got that David Silva one right, I would have got that one wrong. So Jim was the worthy crusher. What a glorious game. (laughs) I I enjoyed that. The power feels good, doesn't it, Marcus? (laughs) It does, yeah. It does, Andy. Oh, well, what a win for Jimmy. A Christmas Mm. win for Jimmy. And of course, Jim, you know, Top of the tree at Christmas. Usually, you go on um, to be the champion. Yeah, absolutely. If only I can weaponize everyone else's hubris against them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we are. This is our last regular ramble show before Christmas. Next week, we'll be dropping a few festive episodes with us all involved, Christmas games included. Then we'll be releasing a best of 2021 episode with some of our favourite clips from the year. Enjoy those, and we'll catch up with some football after Boxing Day before coming back to our full schedule in january so there we are everybody thank you very much for listening to the football ramble preview show sponsored by betway thank you very much jim campbell you're very welcome thank you very much andy brassel thank you thank you ladies and gentlemen we'll see you soon the football ramble is a stack production and part of the acast creator network